This is the Beyond the Studio podcast. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll have honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. If you find value in listening to these conversations, please consider leaving us a rating and a review or sharing some of your favorite episodes with your creative community. It's the easiest way to show us some love and help others find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Since this podcast is hosted by two young adults, there is a possibility of some adult language. So if there are sensitive ears around you, be sure to pop in some headphones before you listen. Hello, it's your co-host Nicole here. Welcome to Beyond the Studio. This is a really unique and special episode. Amanda and I have finally invited each of our partners on the show. Since Valentine's Day was just last weekend, we thought this could be a good opportunity to talk about creative partnerships. Both Amanda's husband, Mike, and my partner, Dave, are creatives. Mike is a musician, and Dave is an art director and designer. And we wanted to have a conversation with the four of us all together, where we talk about being in a relationship with another artist, uh, how we're navigating life and career together. So a little backstory um, for those of you who don't know or are new to listening to Beyond the Studio. Amanda and I met in art school in Baltimore and lived together for several years uh, before I moved out to San Francisco and we started the podcast. I met my partner Dave in art school as well and we started dating around the same time that Mike and Amanda started dating. So we have been together for nearly 10 years now. Uh, So the four of us have known each other almost as long as Amanda and I have known each other. Um, Needless to say, this is a really special roundtable discussion. So Michael York and David Coulson, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Um, Well, we usually like to start off our artist interviews by having our guests talk a little bit about themselves and their creative backgrounds. Um, this conversation will obviously be a little bit different because we want to talk about how all of these things are intertwined, but you all know a little bit about Amanda and I's backstory, um, and our creative careers, but we thought this could be a great opportunity to share a little bit about Mike and Dave's, um, backstories as well. So, uh, maybe each of you could, uh, just give us a brief history of your creative background. Mike, can we start with you? Sure, of course. Yeah, I have been a musician for about 20 years. I am in a band called Pianos Become the Teeth, which is a we, you know, do a bunch of touring and um, all did. Did. Yeah, I guess pre COVID, but hopefully post COVID also. I also am do electronic music as a solo artist under the name Swan. I also ha- did the intro music for Beyond the Studio, which was yes. <laughs> a pleasure of doing, pleasure to do. Yeah, I forgot to mention that um, Dave and Mike are like the unsung heroes behind Beyond the Studio, and um, are very directly involved um, and indirectly. But yeah, Mike did our amazing intro music, and um, Dave designed our website and branding. Um, yeah, they're basically so fully to them. responsible. <laughs> fully responsible for the look and sound of this podcast. 
The unsung Well, I don't heroes. know about being a hero, but I feel like I helped, you know, and they've helped. <laughs> but I feel like you guys do this every, you know, you guys do this every week. So I feel like hero might be a bit, a bit much, but. Uh, Just trying to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> I definitely would not have had the idea to start a podcast if I was not married to an audio engineer, which is your education background. Yeah, I got. I have a degree in audio engineering from UMBC. I started wanting to do mostly studio work, like um, recording bands, recording musicians, doing things like that. Did it forever. I mean, ever since I think I was like 12 or 13 and got my first like little audio recording thing. Always loved the side of audio, just how things are built. And started playing guitar 20 years ago and formed a band, blah, blah, blah. Ended up ended up getting to a place to where we were lucky, or lucky enough to be able to tour and have uh, somewhat of a career doing it, which which is is, is pretty pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, main, mainly went to school for audio engineering after I left school, spent the post eight years after pretty much just touring nonstop and always wanting to write music, create music, create things, started getting into uh, visual art a lot in the last decade or so. So started doing a lot of that, started doing video and I guess visual like some like audio visual art in the last year or so so kind of just been just casually teaching himself animation no big deal just (laughs) just just some some light 3d rendering nothing trying yeah well trying to stay interested (laughs) yeah I feel like I mean I'm sure I'm sure with as with anybody you just like get super into the thing that you do and then not that it becomes boring but you you just know how that thing works at least for the most part so trying to like keep things interesting especially during covid i mean it was like we weren't <laughs> we weren't touring or mm-hmm. really able to do a lot so um teaching myself something that i felt like could be useful later on but also something i was interesting interested in was a lot of fun so yeah i mean basically just been a musician forever and been very lucky enough to be able to tour and make somewhat of a career out of out of doing music and hopefully at some point be able to tie that into visual art too so should i introduce dave dave it's your turn now (laughs) (laughs) well i just want to start off by saying i'm a huge fan of beyond the studio (laughs) amanda and Nicole, how does it have, feel to really be talking to us? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's no, it's it's pretty special, and um, I'm sure Mike has a similar feeling. Just watching the podcast evolve and really take root over the last couple of years has been an absolute treat. And I know, definitely, I'm blushing. All of the 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 time and energy and. Yeah, I mean, well-deserved. And just all the time and energy and effort that goes into it. And I know that we, we are acutely aware of that because we see it every week. But just, you know, the fielding responses, setting up endless interviews, um, the editing. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine. Uh, you know, just... <laughs> Me neither. That's all Amanda. I basically never get to hang out with Nicole on Wednesday nights. Because um, <laughs> she's... True. <laughs> prepping for the episode launch. Um, but you know, it's all good. And I think, you know, unsung hero, I'll take that. But what it really is, is just you've created such a compelling, like, 
uh, project that I think when you asked us to to contribute in the various ways that we have, it it really was an easy. It, it was something that I you know genuinely wanted to be a part of, and yeah, definitely. it wasn't. Agreed. It it didn't really feel like work. It it and I'm sure we'll get into this more, but it just felt like something that I'd want to do anyways. It's like here's totally. a cool project that hey, I'm being asked to to jump in on, and I think inherently we just sort of that that's what we do. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. So tell us about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I met Amanda and Nicole uh, back in our MICA days and in various capacities. I, I don't know if I could specifically pinpoint the exact time that I, I met each of you, except for Nicole. I do remember <laughs> that I moved her into her dorm. <laughs> I would hope you would know that. I, I actually moved her into her dorm freshman year. Love at first sight. <laughs> so, and I was just like, oh, who's that? Um, so, yeah, we go way back. Um, but Well, we, Dave, we I remember meeting you. I remember. Do you? Yeah. Oh, well, awesome. I'd love to hear it. My friend Sarah Peeler and I had created a Micah bingo card. And I think you were somehow a part of orientation mm. or or just like around for it. And your hair was wild at the time. And we had you as a bingo square called the elusive lion. Cause we would just see you like just passing briefly. <laughs> and it's like, there he goes. <laughs> and then now we're friends and we were like practically roommates for a little while too. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Just Micah holds such a special place. I'm sure in all of our hearts and Mike, I feel like even though you weren't, you didn't go to the school at the same time as, as us, you know, I'm sure you feel like a de facto member. Um, oh man, I feel just like because of yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like yeah. I got more of a college experience out of Micah than I got out of my own college experience, and I feel like I met the people that were lifelong people in my life through Micah, just mm -hmm. by dating you, but also like you know, Zach Bauer went to Micah. Like we had mm -hmm. Danny went to Micah. Like we had friends that went there so it was like you know on a friday night or something if somebody was printing or doing something somewhere you just go there and just wait until they're done and then you go to a bar but so it's like mm -hmm. you pretty much just like hung out in there because it was free for all like everybody do whatever and so i feel like i got much of my college experience you know living vicariously through everybody who was actually at micah so it was like i i felt like i went there and i didn't even go there so you did go to classes and clubs and stuff. It's true, yeah. So <laughs> stick it to the yeah, man. I, mean, I didn't pay any tuition. <laughs> <laughs> you did it right, Mike. You All did you it right. Do and yep. You did it right. Yeah. It was such a microcosm, you know. And even after graduation, I just felt like you know it, it, there was such energy, and you know you just run into to old friends. Um, it was such a small school too, right? When you uh, compared to any other college or university. Um, so it really did feel like kind of like you were at least aware or if not like friends with most people <laughs> yeah, in, in, totally. a, in a weird sense. Like you're just like, oh, hey, I know quite a bit about you. Um, and then you'd see them, of course, everywhere you go. Yep. But yeah, I, uh, I started off, you know, I think studied design in college, sort of looked at a, a number of different paths. At one point I was entertaining, I think, animation and illustration so I, I think, you know, design was was born out of this this, you know, want, desire to communicate different ideas that just seemed exciting to me to be more in the, uh, you know, the client 
world of, of telling storytelling in a sense. So I started my career in agency side, um, so working at various uh, smaller design companies, firms, and uh, and then have since sort of jumped around, jumped in-house to, to a few different um, larger companies. And that's been in- interesting, I think, um, different, um, but just sort of looking at, you know, spending long periods of time with with like one customer versus sort of jumping around to multiple uh, within, you know, sort of a calendar year has been sort of the trajectory of my career. But all of, all of that is to say that it's it's taken many ways, shapes and forms. And I think Nicole introduced me as a designer. I studied design, but um, I would say that that's sort of maybe a superpower, but not necessarily how I would describe myself. I would say that I'm more uh, of an art director, which is, you know, you're sort of curating. Sometimes you're curating. Other times you're identifying, you're tapping into, you know, who's the most appropriate person for this this task if we're working on an animation, if we're working on a film, you know, which director do we want to work with? You know, which, which uh, you, you know, sort of um, photographer do we want to hire for their unique voice and perspective? So I, I would say that's that's sort of been my job over the last, you know, at least five or six years is just really focusing in on, um, on that muscle. And, you know, today, for example, I, I spent most of the day writing. So just researching, writing, writing, you know, lines, writing, uh, just just copy, tell, you know, telling a story. So, you know, I think it really ties back to just that idea of what we did at Micah. And, you know, you may have started doing what at music and then you find yourself, you know, diving into printmaking or you, you find yourself diving into yeah. photography or yeah, bookbinding or, you know, painting or so. Yeah, it's really interesting that idea of like uh, identity and what we how we describe ourselves, because I'm sure it's it, that that answer changes depending on who you're talking to. Totally. I think that fluidity is also like the best thing about being in a creative field is that you're not bound to being like, oh, I, you know, do taxes for a living. I'm an accountant or I do this. Like it's like you don't have a defined term. It's just defined whether or not what that creative atmosphere is giving you that day. So it's like you study one thing, you have a discipline, I guess, but it doesn't mean that that discipline is the one thing that you totally stay in forever, which is fun. I mean, I think that's what's awesome about being in a creative field, you know? I'm curious how, you know, your perspectives as uh, creatives inform the the conversations that you have with one another or how you approach each other's work. Um, I'm just thinking, for example, like, you know, um, Dave coming from a background that's more design oriented and me, you know, I'm coming from a, a background as a painter. Um, so even, you know, our experiences in art school were really different and I feel like we, um, just approach our work in really different ways. So as a painter and, uh, I guess, a you know, a finer, our studio artist, you know, I'm exploring process and I'm going into the studio with a question and I feel like design is all about creative problem solving. And, um, I don't know if you would agree with this, Dave, but I'm just curious, how do you feel like your, um, you know, your disciplines kind of inform your, your approach and if maybe we could kind of talk about what that, you know, how that influences your, your work. Um, I know it's always really interesting to get Dave's perspective on things that I'm working on because it's really different than what, you know, maybe another painter might bring to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Amanda will always make fun of me in the way of when it comes to when people ask typically what I look for most in art, it's usually that I like things that make people feel uncomfortable. But it's not uncomfort in the way of like, art should be like, not pleasing. I think that I am always looking for something that's evocative in some way. And that can be as simple as a color that's chosen or in music, like a passage or something, a, you know, chord progression or whatever. And I think a lot of times when perhaps you make something or do something and you show me what you make, my view on it is usually like, what, how would this translate to me if I were, for lack of a better word, if I were like listening to it? Or if I were like, like what, what, what kind of thing does this like, uh, like evoke in me? And typically visual art, it, it like, I always love when stuff plays on a lot of negative space and when stuff plays on like, almost makes you, uh, it's like the classic thing when you go to an art gallery and you see like a white frame on the wall and it's just like, that's not art. But I like the opinion of like the person being so like worked up about the thing that, that they feel is not, shouldn't be art is the thing that like that emotion to me is is in fact the art and i feel like i get that way with music where it's like i don't think that there's typically a song or an artist or something that's just like everything they do is going to make me feel this way but you always kind of gravitate towards the stuff that i feel like kind of pushes you out of that comfort zone and i think because we have very different ways of looking at art i think it's easier for me to think about like how would i approach this like um like the the emotional feeling to it like what what does it feel emotional emotionally to me perhaps i feel like maybe because i come from like something where it's like make it uncomfortable make it weird like make it make it feel something i mean musically you come from a like punk and hardcore background yeah. and i feel like that's sort of the vibe of that type of music it's like meant to challenge the listener and so naturally the type of art that you're drawn to also is stuff that challenges the viewer and like forces someone to kind of confront you know what discomfort in whatever way um sorry there's probably crazy sounds going on because sprout just won't quit she she just is all over the microphone so if there's a lot of cat purring that's her job it's because this is a great conversation (laughs) but i i definitely could see that uh regarding how you view music and I don't know. I mean, I feel like you kind of approach life in a similar kind of with the same gusto of like, I want to go for something that's challenging. I want to go for something that has that fulfillment. And like the music that you're into is the stuff that tends to grow on you because you're forced to spend some time with it and really think about why it makes you feel in whatever way. And I know just as a creative person living with you, I appreciate that perspective because it's totally different from how I view art and how I think about music. I'm I'm a total like feel good sucker. I'm like, I want I want to feel good. I want stuff that's cute and satisfying and fulfilling. I want little cakes of art. Um. <laughs> I mean, and I, and, I, and I love that too. I mean, I think like that, that kind of stuff is unbelievably appealing. Definitely. Oh yeah. I just mean in terms of like our dynamic, I appreciate having such a different perspective because mm-hmm. when I look at my stuff, you know, I'm only going to see it from my point of view. And maybe if I look at it again in another day, I might have some fresher eyes, but I'm still only going to see it through my eyes, my world experiences, my intention. So having someone who doesn't work in the same medium as me, but 
has a creative mind being able to bounce back and forth. I feel like I miss that thing about college that I miss is just the feedback and being able to like show your work Mm -hmm. to people and have people like genuinely engage with it. But you get that perk a little bit in creative partnerships because you're like, I'm done. Look at this. Or I don't know what I'm doing. Look at this or listen to this or whatever. And I don't know. Do you guys feel like you're constantly sharing stuff back and forth? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I would say that um, almost to to a fault, you know, it's like as soon as we're done doing something, we just sort of turn it around and say, stop what you're doing and look at what I did. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Which is, uh, especially in a pandemic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Dave constant. is my, my best, most honest critic. <laughs> Um, and I mean that in in the best way possible, but I do think that because we share everything, you know, our, our lives are so unfiltered, we can always count on each other to, to give really, really honest um, feedback or to, you know, to give our honest opinion. Sometimes to a fault, I, I'm kind of wondering if you all ever run into this because I think sometimes we have to clarify if we're just looking for support or like if I if I just need you to tell me this is good versus do I really want you know feedback on this because um mm-hmm. I can always I can always count on Dave for um really constructive uh feedback which is is amazing I think you know I I know that I'm I'm able to get that but does that ever cause friction I feel like I'm probably the more critical one and you're the more supportive one where I show you something and you're like how do you feel about it And I'm like, oh, I I don't know. But if you show me something, I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I feel like there's almost this nice kind of barrier or nice like kind of cushion. The fact that I feel like both of you come from at least visual perspectives, even though it's a very different field. You both come from very like visual perspectives. Right. Is it like the fact that you're from different disciplines creates some yes. distance between them? And I think because of that, it's easier to both be extremely supportive and also extremely critical without knowing what those pieces, like how those pieces kind of fall into place. So it's like, I will be writing a song or doing some sort of like visual thing or whatever and it's like, I already have a baseline idea of something, but if I show it to Amanda and that baseline idea isn't like fully fleshed out yet, and it's like, well, I don't know how I feel about this thing, or I don't feel about this thing. I've already got it kind of sussed out in my head. So it's less of like, I know you can't see this part of it yet, but I know it's there, which is way easy for me to go to a band practice and say, hey, I know that this is missing, you know, X, Y, or Z. And I am kind of bouncing that off of, for other musicians that are just like, oh yeah, totally. Like, I, I know what you mean. So you can kind of see big picture, but I feel like when we're critiquing each other's work, we don't see big picture, which I think is in in and of itself almost a, a good thing because like leaving that little leaving that little piece missing almost allows you to be like so openly critical that you don't recognize that you're being critical and it allows the other person to think like, okay, I, maybe I didn't think about it that way. And maybe that's not necessarily the direction I would have thought this would have gone or whatever, but I'm getting it from the perspective of somebody who is not a, you know, visual art, a fiber artist, not a musician, not a whatever. Like we're getting it from such a, such a different perspective that it forces you to then think like, okay, is that, 
is that uh is that the direction I need to go? Or is that like the thing that I should be thinking of? Because I never even thought of that. And that to me is invaluable. Like being able to get advice from somebody or like a perspective from something that you just, you, you just don't have any perspective on. Like I have no idea what it's like to be a fiber artist. I just don't like no part of it. So I don't know how much time and effort cert, like going from point A to point B to point C take. Yeah, true. So it's very easy for me to be like, I don't know if I like that. And it's like, okay, well, I do. And I already spent 10 hours doing this. I didn't ask you if you liked it. I asked you whether or not this thing works with this thing. And I think being able to be removed because of having such different disciplines is like kind of a blessing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's... Yeah, yeah. I feel like we can't really give each other much... We're not competing. We, well, we can't give I each guess, other you know? like incremental feedback. Like it kind of has to be, here's a completed work or... I am struggling with something, but I can't give, I can't ask you for feedback if I'm like making small adjustments because you probably don't even, you won't be able to notice like similarly to, to how if you're like, oh, I changed this one thing in this song and you're like, here's the before, here's the after. I'm like, it all sounds this the same. Is the same picture. What, are you, what is the difference? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's all, but that's the benefit. I think yeah. the benefit is being able to get that totally unadulterated kind of perspective on something that like, if I were to ask, what do you think of this song? to like a friend of mine who is a musician and very deeply entrenched in the same stuff that I'm in, they're going to pick it apart the same way that I will. You know, you're 99.9 percentile mm -hmm. of everybody else who's going to be listening to something isn't paying attention to that. They're paying attention to these other things. I give the average listener feedback, which I guess is helpful. It's beyond, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, in and of itself, that is like one of the You're most a, helpful parts. That's know? funny. I joke about that too sometimes. It's like, I'm the general public perspective. Yeah. <laughs> and Dave's looking for feedback. <laughs> Which is invaluable, you know? Yeah, that's, I, I would say, you know, as someone who's trying to land a, a very specific tailored message about, you know, either a product or a service or just a brand writ large, it's really important to have that sort of unfiltered you know, knee-jerk reaction. How does this land? How does this make you feel? What is your your gut when you you totally. hear this? Because we rationalize things, you know, all day. We 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 really sort of that that's what we do. We we come up with reasons why something makes sense. Um, so it's enormously helpful to have that reality check on. Well, I hear you, but totally, someone might interpret it this way. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, you don't want to. You don't want to go out with anything that doesn't quite resonate or, or you know, something that, that is missing the mark because it's, it's sort of taking on new meaning. It's, it's like that, that arrangement of words or that, that specific idea makes me think of X. And X is, you know, sort of, uh, you know, could have a certain connotation. Totally. So, totally. Yeah. I feel like Dave has really given me an appreciation for design and I I like to think that I've picked up on things over the years, you know, in the time that we've been together where I might notice something that I would never consider before. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because I feel like it's all about the details, you know, like how uh, a line of text relates to an image next to it. And I mean, that level of precision is just not really a part of my painting process my, my work is really process oriented you know I'm really messy in the studio it's just a really different way of working and thinking about you know 
the work. And so I think um, that's been, that's, you know, a difference, but it is, I think what we were just saying earlier about having a little bit of distance between the disciplines um, is helpful because I can, um, you know, count on Dave as a, as a visual person to, you know, give really honest feedback on my work, but the perspective is going to be really different than if I were to invite a critique from another painter. I got, you know, I feel like I'm I'm hearing some, you know, underpinnings of of things that maybe we all try and do, which is, you know, Mike, you, you said sort of challenge the listener, right? I think it's really just making people feel something, right? Like have a reaction. Totally. Yes. Because I think if it yes. if it doesn't really, you know, if if you're so down the straight and narrow or you try and say all things to all people, you're not really saying anything specific. Um, or anything that's really going to make an impression. So that's absolutely, I, I completely relate to that. That I feel like that is my job is to, to take something maybe that's familiar and make you think a little bit differently about, so that you take a second look at it, right? Like, oh, I never thought of that as not just a, an, you know, a, a spreadsheet, but this is like a productivity tool that's going to spur me on to, to, you know, start a small business. Totally. Like, so it's, it, it really comes back to like, but how do you say that, right? And that's always the, that, that's where the sort of artistry or the, um, the, the thinking really comes in around, you know, how can I challenge somebody to, to you know, <laughs> to stop scrolling or to, right. you know, to pay attention to, to this, this idea, um, what, what's interesting enough to, to make somebody look twice. Right, yeah, um, definitely. In, in so, the same way, though, that I think having... The perspective of you know someone in another creative discipline is really useful. I think just the fact that we both have a similar educational background or are both creative people is hugely important. Um, you know, sometimes I just I think about the conversations that we, you know, that we've been able to have because we share that um, perspective. Uh, where you know, if I were dating a, a non-artist or somebody in a completely different background, like someone who's an accountant, you know, I just uh, feel like we wouldn't be able to have the same um, depth of conversation when it comes to our work. And so I wonder if you all feel similarly or if you think that, um, you know, is been something that's kind of brought you together. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you're, you're naturally drawn towards people that, also share the same kind of like, you know, lust for things that you do. And I think when, I think when it comes to like being a creative, I think that really does just kind of encompass everything. I mean, I, I think that it's, and I'm sure there are people out there that are this way, but it's, it would be kind of like a mind fuck for me to think about somebody who is like a painter or a graphic designer and who's just like, I don't listen to music at all. Right. So like it, it, it's kind of, I feel like they all cut, you know, I feel like they all kind of just like group into one another. So I think there's something really incredible about being able to, um, yeah, just to be able to like share perspectives with somebody who is also creating things because they know the process and the process can sometimes be ugly. The, some, the process can sometimes be really easy and almost so easy you fall into like that imposter syndrome thing where it's just like, I am not good at doing this, but why is this happening? Why is this okay? Like you can share those kinds of insecurities with somebody who is also creative because regardless if it's a different discipline, I feel like they still feel the same things. 
And it's like, you know, we'll have conversations where it's like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be able to like tour all around the world. But the fact that I am fans of musicians that are like in my eyes, just unbelievable and have never left their home state or home city or something is just like very easy for me to say like, well, I got lucky just the right place, right time, right everything. But Mm -hmm. I think being able to like share these kinds of like perspectives with somebody who is also creative kind of helps ground you in a lot of ways that, you know, all of our brains can kind of spiral, I think, out of, you know, out of commission when things get kind of tough or things like something doesn't work the right way or it's working the perfect way and your brain is still just going crazy because it's just overflowing with all the ideas and creative ideas that you have. But being able to share that perspective and be able to kind of share the ups and downs and kind of the way that your brain works with somebody else that is fully in tune when <laughs> when you say like, I'm not like, I, I'm just going to lock myself away to do this thing. I'm not mad. I'm good. And they're just like, oh, totally. I get it. I get it. It's not like, it's yeah. not that you have to go through this long explanation of like, oh, I'm just trying to create this thing or do this. It's just like, do your thing. Like, I get it. And I think that in and of itself, there's almost like a secret language that you have that is uh, <laughs> just, it's just born into a, a relationship that I think shares like the common uh kind of challenges and the common excitement of, of being creative and trying to force that into the into the way that your life works. I know also, I feel like when we first got together, the like, I actually didn't even know you were a musician when we first got together. I just knew you were into the same music I was into. And then I learned he was a musician when he was about to go on tour mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a couple weeks later. But I feel like for us, it was very much an alignment of lifestyle in addition to perspective and passion. Like we both were like, I kind of want to be my own boss. I kind of want to be able to pick up and go anywhere at any time. I want to have full autonomy over my schedule. And you wanted to be able to go on tour and be like, hey, I'm going to be gone for two months at a time. Or, hey, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to go do this you know, photo journey, or I'm, I'm going to go do all these craft shows. Like we, we both were, I think, looking for someone that we could kind of just lock in with and mm-hmm. both do our own thing, but have, have someone else that we're tethered to. Definitely. Because I think it's not lost on either one of us about how much you have to give in that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for, especially on my end, like, Literally not at all on your end, literally all on my end, asking somebody to be like, hey, is there any way that you'd be totally cool with just dating somebody who's not going to be home all year? And to be able to have somebody who is like, yeah, like, I get it. That's that's like, that's your thing. I totally get it. And support that is like that in and of itself is the like is the uh, golden moment of a of a creative relationship, because I don't think there's anything that either one of us could come to one another with of, hey, I have this opportunity to do X. It means I'm going to have to do this. But in the end, it's going to be extremely fulfilling and great for both, you know, myself as an artist, myself career wise and us together. Like, I feel like all the uh, hoops you jump through, that stuff is just like, yeah, of course, no problem. Let's just think of the end, the end goal. Like, that's great. And I think always being able to always see the finish line together with stuff 
that's that's like the uh I don't know, I guess that's like the best part is like being able to like consciously know that you're still fighting for the same finish line and even though that journey is going to probably lead you into a bunch of different directions, sometimes together, sometimes, you know, you're away from one another or whatever, but that finish line is always the same thing. I think always trying to uh kind of go in that direction and know that you're all you're both working together. I think it's just knowing that you're working together. That's just like you're it might not always seem that way, but it's like you're always working together for the same thing. And I think that like, you know, we're both vying for the same goal. Like we want to be creative forever. We want to be able to like make a life out of being creative. And I think yeah. there's a lot of ups and downs that come along with that. But I think that that's like, that's what's beneficial about it. That's what's fun about it. Yeah. And not to invalidate any, any artist out there in a relationship with an accountant right now. Oh yeah. You no, do. yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it's like it. Yeah, we're just speaking from our own perspective, of course. <laughs> yeah, that was just a random example. Oh, I you didn't mean? mean... <laughs> do, do you mean the the muggles, <laughs> the the non artistic folks? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have plenty of plenty of friends that are accountants, and yeah, but our accountant was in a band with you, so I don't know if that totally counts. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. I think it resonates, though. Like it transcends almost the arts. Uh, or having an artistic career, because there there is this sense of um, tools, technology, various interests. Like being an entrepreneur has has never been easier, and so people just are, are trying to turn their hobbies into their sort of full time gig. And while they do that, they you know are also being an accountant or being totally yeah. you know mm-hmm. doing whatever it is that they they want to do. So I I, I do think that there is this sort of renaissance of people pursuing um, their passions outside of the the regular working hours. Um, there's a great uh, Dolly Parton campaign that's running right now for Squarespace. We yep. talk about um, <laughs> working working five to nine, which is very apt. I think Thanks we're all hustling. Thanks for mentioning that so we can post it out on our Instagram now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I know that Beyond the Studio is sort of your five to nine right now. It's something that you're doing you know, outside of working, working hours and you, you still have your, your artistic practices and your, you know, side gigs and whatever else you need to do. But with, with the intent of, of sort of, you know, building something that's, that's exciting, that sort of takes off. Um, so I think that's, that's something everyone can relate to. If, if they're not already doing it, maybe they're dreaming about doing it. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like there's a real, um, there has to be a real shared, understanding though that you know there are these things that are deeply important to you that you're striving for and I feel lucky to you know have found someone that is that shares that and I mean like you said Mike there I mean there's definitely challenges and we could talk about kind of work-life balance and whatever that is and there's a potential for that to really take its toll on, on a relationship but I think you know being able to just support one another in those those future goals and ambitions is so valuable and I mean to 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 not kind of leave that conventional life of like you're clocking out at five o'clock and you're just sort of done or you're you know you're just spending weekends relaxing and hanging out or I don't know what do normal people do but (laughs) it's like you're you know always working on some kind of a personal project or you know you're working on things after work and sometimes you know if you've been if it's self um kind of self-inflicted stress you know usually there's 
there's something that we're trying to teach ourselves or um, I don't know, a project we're working towards or, you know, one of us is up late just researching and um, definitely I think yeah. having, yeah, having an understanding that this is, um, this is just a part of our life is, is beneficial. And, and I feel like also like there's never been a time in my life where there hasn't been the like supplemental part of being like, you know, I've been like full time doing art stuff, maybe like at a small portion of like my life. And every other time has been 90% of doing the thing I want to do all the time. And then 10% of like, well, I have to wash dishes at this restaurant, <laughs> you know, because they're the only ones that are letting me leave for a month to go on tour. And that's the thing I want to do. But, you know, I have to do this thing too in order to pay the bills or, you know, what, whatever it is. And oh, those yeah. are the nights where it's like, not only am I asking you to, to be cool with me going on tour next month for, you know, eight weeks, but I'm also going to be working until 3 a.m. washing dishes at a restaurant and then get too drunk and have to have you pick me up from, from the that restaurant. That happened one time. <laughs> I know, but it's still, it's like, but still, that's the idea of like, it doesn't just stop at like the idea of me being like, hey, is it cool if I go on tour? It's also, I'm going to take this terrible job that is probably going to pay our bills for you know, the three months that I'm home for a bit. Yeah, and but we've both done that. I mean, yeah. you were supporting me at the same time that I was building up my business. And, you know, at that time, I was also working in restaurants and cafes and bars and the mall. And it feels like you're asking a lot. But, I mean, I have pretty terrible work-life balance, as you know, I go through seasons where I'm working like 80 hours a week and I'm disappearing and I'm like, I'm tense, just go away from me, even though we work in a space that is, I mean, not anymore. We just, we're currently recording our very first episode in our house that we bought a month yeah. ago. Uh, well, technically like a month and a half ago, but we closed on it a month ago. No. And this is, we had our first night in the house last night. But before this, our studio we shared a studio, and it was basically in a studio slash one-bedroom apartment with no real spatial boundaries. And my stuff takes over yep. everything. Dave and and I you're live in that a, life. <laughs> you're, a, you're a tidy minimalist, and I am like... I am like, Nicole, I am messy in the studio. I, I am just an explosion of felt instead of paint. Um, and so, you know, I think that we, we bring very different things to the table and the things that we bring feel like maybe they come with these burdens, but they're not burdens that the other recognizes. Like right. to me, I'm like, right, oh my right, God, right, I'm right. taking up so much space. This must bother you. And you're just like, no, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. I mean... You know, if I have to step over prints, I have to step over prints that are drying on the floor in the kitchen. That's fine. Um, but I give that, <laughs> I mean, that to me. But I'm never bothered by you touring. I mean, obviously it's been a year since you've been able to tour and it may be another year since you're able to tour again, but hopefully not. I'll just knock on wood right now. But mm -hmm. I think that, I don't know, that's probably a pretty common thing for couples, whether creative or not, where it's like, here are my burdens. And you're like, I don't see them. Yeah, I mean, I think that ultimately it's like you like I'd rather step over prints in a one bedroom apartment knowing that you're doing the thing that's like this than is stepping over accounting <laughs> than stepping over all the accounting sheet always. <laughs> 
feel like you're going to get a million emails of people being like, I'm an accountant. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm an angry and accountant. Like, so, like, we are going to send out some mad love to all our accountants <laughs> out there. If you are listening. <laughs> Couldn't do it without you. Yeah. I feel like I'd rather have the inconveniences of a creative relationship, though, knowing that it's like, this is the, like, if the burden is the, oh, I'm just creating a bunch. <laughs> Don't mind me. I mean, that's like, okay, like, that's great. Like, it, because it, it's just, it, it exercises every part of you. I mean, it exercises your spirituality. Mm -hmm. it, it exercises your, you know, mental health. It exercises everything, at least in my opinion, not saying that this is, you know, from a doctor, but I feel like when I'm creating something, <laughs> I feel like you're always in that mindset where you're just like, you, you, you're in a better place as an artist, whether it's coming from a place of hurting, creating or a place of happiness, regardless, or anything in between. Mm -hmm. I think you're in a, in, in a mental state creating regardless, you're not on autopilot, at least, at least any sort of, I think, wor art, artistic work that's worth anything isn't on hot take <laughs> i mean i i don't think a hot take would necessarily no, be kidding. that if you're on autopilot making work that that work is probably pretty shit like i feel like if no, you're if you're if you're creating to create like creating because you like doing it and that's the thing that's driving you to do something you're, you're creating something to create i think that that kind of thing is something that's just like man i'll take that Across, I'll take the burdens of that thing above being like life is easy because I just do this otherwise you know like I'd ra I'd rather have that burden knowing that you're creating and I'm creating at the same time oh yeah and it's kind of nice to have those nights where you're like I am in the zone I do not want to stop and you like look over and you're like oh shit you're in the zone too all right we're having a late night yeah yeah it's like oh it's Tuesday I guess we're <laughs> and up and you're till like who's making dinner tonight <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah how are we going to eat anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to upset any uh, accountants. any accountants or any people that just make art on autopilot, man. Like, that's what you do. That's what you do. Rock and roll. I, I, I think there's value in that, Mike. You're, you're saying, um, you know, there's artist therapy where the practitioners aren't necessarily, their goal isn't to be an exceptional artist. Their goal is to just try their hand at totally. medium and... And uh, I guess who comes to mind is like, like Kendall Jenner, right? She's got like a room in her, I, I saw, I don't know why I watched this, but I did, a terrible person. Um, I watched it I know two. you've been keeping up with them. <laughs> no. Yeah. And the funny thing is I haven't even seen, yeah, keeping up with the Kardashians, but I did see a tour of her house and uh, on the interwebs, she just has a painting room, which I thought was so interesting. Does and, she paint? Yeah. The goal... Yeah, the the goal is to to have friends over and they they paint and they acknowledge you know she acknowledged that it's not good and she's also a collector she's got some pretty impressive works in her house but yeah I mean for her it's it's more painting as therapy and less of yeah she's not trying yeah. to show in a gallery or be serious in any way shape right. or form oh, which yeah, is equally as valid I mean I'm I think especially if you're creative practice is something you're doing professionally I feel like often you have to have something else mm -hmm. that you do that's a creative outlet that's just for you that's no pressure it doesn't have to be good it doesn't have to be impressive I don't currently have one of those right now because I put all of my energy into, <laughs> into work that I can try to sell but I 
Not necessarily though. I mean, you meditate, you do yoga, you do like, I mean, I feel like. I don't like, know if that's it. I, I wouldn't see those as like art making. I mean, in terms of like a creative hobby that I do as mm-hmm. like a personal relaxation method. Those are also personal relaxation methods, but they're more so, I don't know. I, I'd see them as a mindfulness practice, which actually maybe we're getting into a, a broader discussion of like art as mindfulness and are they different? Well, I mean, that, that's kind of what I was getting at, you know, like that's like the mental thing about that. I, mm-hmm. I think that mindfulness isn't something that just like comes easy. It's just like, I guess I'm mindful now. I guess I'm totally like Zen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think I, I think that art can be whatever it is that you want it to be. But there ha- like, at least for me, there has to be something that my brain is just like focused on. Mm-hmm. And that that focus can be the thing of like, either the art at hand or something that I'm not concentrating on the art, but this is the kind of process I need to do in order to just kind of meditate this thing out of my head or get whatever idea that I have out of my head or whatever that might be. I mean, it's like, I am not much of a visual artist so far yet, but I feel like I enjoy creating it because it ends up being like, Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't realize I could do this thing or, or make this thing. And it's, it's more of just like the experimentation of trying to like, create something beyond you know what I'm used to doing yeah I'm wondering how you all are navigating boundaries between work and life as a creative couple Um, because we've been talking a little bit about this already but I feel like one example related to the shared studio which um, (laughs) you mentioned that you guys just moved into a house and now have your own studio Um, we're previously sharing a small apartment space Um, that's sort of the situation that Dave and I are in now but when we used to live in Baltimore um, we had a a much larger (laughs) two-bedroom apartment that we shared for a while when we first moved in together and the idea is that the second bedroom would become like a shared studio for both of us and um, I think what we quickly realized was that our working styles were really different so again as a painter I'm very messy it helps to spread out I like to be able to leave a mess and then come back to it the next day whereas our our lifestyles are really different I don't think I'm a messy person (laughs) I don't know Dave might disagree but I think uh, our living space is a lot more tidy I think you're a clean person as a former roommate (laughs) but I think um just kind of recognizing that we both had kind of different different needs for our workspaces and um, I know for me it really helped to have a studio space outside of our apartment that I could go to and also just get in the frame of mind of you know I'm I'm going to work in the studio and I don't have to worry about sort of cleaning up my mess afterwards. Um, so that's one example of just a kind of a like a physical boundary that I felt like it was helpful to have some separation in. But it could be something else. I know, you know, something we're constantly talking about, too, is how to determine when those off hours are like when we're kind of fully clocked out from, you know, from work, um, because there's so much overlap. And how do we just carve out quality time um, or how do we communicate when you know one of us is in the zone or is really focused on a project and um, we just need some time alone so just an open-ended question but curious how how everyone's navigating work-life balance <laughs> well, 
I'll say an example. So just earlier today, we were talking about this because currently Mike is working a full-time job as well as basically doing full-time in the studio because his band is recording their next album right now. And the last couple of weeks have just been like, he goes to work, he goes to the studio, he comes home, we eat, we go to bed repeat and it's just been the same thing and like we barely have any time together but now that we've finally gotten into our house we're kind of like oh I want to spend as much free time working on stuff we're like there there's no time we'll just have to wait and delay some stuff and that's fine but I think that we we both have pretty different kinds of schedules and yours is usually pretty consistent I say usually this last year it's been very consistent because you choose your own hours at your work. Oh yeah, you didn't even mention your day job. It's in oh, music. Yeah, still technically in music, but I build guitar amplifiers for a very, very small boutique company in Baltimore called Bartel Amps. I love my job. I work with my friends. I get to make my own hours. It's a, it's, I literally don't have a single, single thing that I could say that I don't like about it. I, I love being there and it never f- feels like I'm sacrificing creative work to be there because I feel like I can you know if something comes up and it's like hey man I know I've only been here for a couple hours but I got to get home to do this it's like yep do it that's great life always comes first at my job versus a job and my boss is really 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 incredible about that and um yeah it's it's great yeah I feel like and I feel like Nicole we have sort of a similar approach with our with how we run the podcast, where it's like our own individual lives and creative paths go first, and then we, you know, put the energy into the podcast wherever we can, you know, fit it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like often creatively, we tend to be, Mike and I tend to be a little bit on almost different schedules where I feel like there will be seasons where you have incredible work life boundaries, and I'm just this chaotic tornado whirling around felt everywhere again um and then times where your schedule is super hectic and chaotic I have way more availability and I can kind of pick up the slack and like make sure that our our lives are still rolling forward and we're well you keep us fed pretty much no matter what but I'll keep us covered in felt baby (laughs) covered in felt (laughs) (laughs) I clearly bring a lot to this relationship. Um, yeah, how are, how are those work-life boundaries for you guys over there? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think that is probably one of the biggest like recurring conversations that we have about how to how to make space for you know what we love, for our work, our creativity, for each other. Um, so it's seems like something we're always trying to negotiate. Um, I think it's been a lot better lately. I mean, ironically, throughout quarantine, I think we have been a lot more in sync um, in terms of our schedules because we're both working remotely from home. Um, You know, Dave is working uh, remotely as an art director and I'm, you know, working remotely with my day job at CCA. So, you know, there's been some, we've had to sort of figure out working together in a small space, but um, I think just being able to 
you know, take breaks and go get a coffee in the neighborhood or have lunch together or, you know, like have meals together has been has been really nice. When we first moved out to San Francisco, I um, relate to what you guys are saying. Our, our schedules were really different. You know, um, Dave was working full time at a job that was really demanding and, you know, coming home late at night. And I was working part-time um, at an art museum while also trying to you know build up my studio practice so I was working a lot of weekends when Dave was off um, and then spending you know a lot of time during the week in the studio and so it just seemed like we weren't getting as much time together where we could explore the city or you know I think finding a balance was a little bit more of a challenge then but um, it seems like it changes a lot season to season and I don't know if you have anything to add? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a pretty thorough description of just, we've struggled to, to, to find those, those moments. And I think, um, you know, we were so work focused, especially moving to a new city, wanting to just find, you know, it it took a while for us to to find our footing, both professionally and personally, just where are we going to live? And, you know, Nicole tracking down her studio. I know that she was commuting to Oakland for maybe the first year, year and a half. Which, which is a pretty significant commute um, relative to what she was, you know, walking into the other room when we lived in Baltimore. <laughs> so, it was, yeah, it was a big adjustment. And um, fortunately, it just takes years to kind of get to a better place where now she can bike to the studio in like 15 minutes. Um, and she's got, you know, a better situation as, as far as that's concerned. And now we're, we are on a better, right, more regular schedule where... Oh, it's the weekend. We're both off. Let's go get brunch. Let's go. Let's go to the, you know, let's go to SF MoMA. Let's go, you know, take a, you know, take a a bike ride or something. Um, Or I feel like we've, we've also, we're still not super good at this, but we have been more intentional about carving out time. So even if it's working in a, in a different location, um, we did a, a little trip earlier in the year. Uh, where we we just went a couple hours north of San Francisco, and um, I worked remotely, and you know Nicole um, did take a, a that time off, but that was just really nice to to be able to demonstrate that hey we can we can kind of have it both ways where if if one of us needs to kind of jump jump on something related to the podcast or jump on something related to a quick turn at work, um, we can still get away and we can still you know have quality time traveling and exploring and sort of, um, yeah, just sleeping in a, a different bed can really rechar- be recharging and, and nourishing. Um, so I think we're, yeah, we're, we're still, we haven't, you know, completely cracked that and we're still figuring out how to, how to do that better. But I think we're, we're trending in the right, right direction. Yeah. It's difficult now. Cause I, well, I feel like it's a lot harder to go anywhere and, and get that recharge during quarantine times but whenever whenever you can feed your soul a little and and have a change of scenery it is unreal how much of a difference it can make um I know we've been able to like leave the city a couple of times Mm -hmm. over the last year and some very you know very careful and and remote situations but god I miss traveling (laughs) I I feel like also it's like there's a hard thing, and I mean, I'm sure you guys have had guests that have talked about this before, but something that always goes through my head is that it's really hard to have a work-life balance when the thing that you 
are trying to balance is something that you want to occupy your time with. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to be listening to music nonstop. I want to be creating it. And when I am like, all right, it's time to turn the brain off and go to bed and I lay in bed. I mean, there's nights that I will just, I mean, four or five nights ago, it's like I laid in bed awake until early hours of the morning thinking of how a a transitionary part of a song should go Hmm. in something that, and it's, there's something that's like really hard to find the balance when it's not like you're trying to like force something that's inconvenient out of your brain because it's like, Thinking about music and thinking about creating and creating isn't inconvenient to me. If I could do it 24 hours a day, I would. But the fact that you physically and mentally have to have the balance, I think, is the harder part. It's just like there's not enough hours in the day kind of thing. So it's just like it's less of, at least for me, trying to be like, oh, there's so much work that I have to get done. But it's like, man, there's so much stuff I want to find. There's so much stuff I want to read and create and if I go to sleep now, that, that that's an hour lost of something. I could be reading about this thing or reading about how this band recorded this record or like, it's just, I feel like when you're in love with art so much or like you're, you're so deeply entrenched in something that you enjoy doing and ends up being really, really, really hard to separate yourself from it because it's like, I don't, I barely even watch TV. Like the things that I fill my time with watching are like, shitty like ripped videos of some like camera in a studio of a band I like talking about why they recorded their album this way in like the 80s or something and it's like those are the the things I enjoy watching but in and of itself that's like work and that's like work balance that's like yeah it's trying to find that like time where it's like okay your whole life doesn't have to be this thing but it's, it's really, really hard to separate from that sometimes. And it's really hard when you're excited about something. But it's yeah. just so healthy to not do that. It's so healthy to not be doing that all the time. And it's 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 really, really, really hard. Um, and yeah. it's a forever battle. Yeah, I mean, every time. I feel like most nights when we do lay down and we're like, okay, we'll like watch an episode of something before we go to bed or before we turn in or whatever. I feel like most of the time I'll sit down for like five minutes and I'm like, I'll just get something to sew while we watch. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just sew. I know it's, I know it's almost midnight, but like, why not? I know I don't have a deadline, but why not just exhaust my hands for more hours of the day because I want to. Right. It's the and want. I think that's, I think that's probably a pretty relatable feeling. I mean, I can relate, but yeah, I'm biased and I know this guy well I think what you said Mike about being you know being in love with music it's like you have these two loves you know and I mean we're all similar in that we don't have kids you know we don't have other people to support we have we have animals and pets um you know we have we have each other our creative partnerships um so you know we have people that we love in our life that you know, we support, we support, but we also have these like creative, you know, it's more than just a vocation, I think. And Mm -hmm. so that, you know, being, being understanding of that, I think is, is important because uh, we're both smiling as you're telling the story of like being up late at night because we're both night owls. And I think, you know, it's like, if you step back a bit, how would you explain that to somebody else? Like, I'm just going to stay up for five hours in the middle of the night and (laughs) just kind of like, you know, think about things and from the outside mm-hmm. looking in, it's like that, 
how do you justify prioritizing like, okay? that? Right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. <laughs> it's like you need someone who can like support yes. those I you know those ideas in its earliest stage or those things that don't really make sense about your schedule or routine and yeah, and also remind you when to when to shut off. I think and um, as much as like we need each other's understanding, totally. I think yeah. being able to like help each other and I guess this is where we struggle because we both I think probably you know, have like work-life boundary issues is uh, how, how to really shut off and um, just make space for each other. But um, it is really great that we can share that and that, you know, we both kind of care equally about the work that we're doing. Yeah. I don't think we have a work-life balance, sadly. I think that it's the attempt to continually try to get there and work-life integration. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we've found that well, thus far at 31 and 33. I loved the question. How old are you anyway? <laughs> we don't have yeah. to reveal that here. 33? Come on now. You know I'm 33. Okay, I thought he was going to be like, you know, you know I'm 31. <laughs> Where have you been? We uh, met when I was 11. No. Wait, can I can I ask a question? Yes. So I think I think uh, related to this idea of work life balance, um, how did you spend your Valentine's Day? I forgot it was oh. Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, it was two days ago. It was Valentine's yeah, well, two days ago, Day. Yeah. We literally we moved furniture the entire day. We moved furniture from our apartment into the house. It was the most physically grueling day. We moved our bed here, but we were too exhausted to sleep on it here. So we slept on an air mattress at our apartment because we were like, it's going to be a whole thing to move Sprout to the house. And I'm too tired to do that. That was our Valentine's Day. Very romantic. I think I woke up and said, I'm not going to lie. I got you nothing. And I said, same. (laughs) (laughs) And then I shared our wedding video online and I was like, boop, boop. Done. Yep. Did it. Did the love. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys are moving into a house together. That's that's a big life. Stuff. Right. That was the yes. gift. Yeah. Yeah. The we were like romantic we gesture. That was the gift. Yeah. How did you guys spend your Valentine's Day? Oh, how did we spend Valentine's Day? Well, we um, ordered a delicious takeout dinner. Dave did give me flowers. It was a really beautiful bouquet um, from this. Love it. Way to show the rest of us stuff, Dave. Well, okay. So actually, I, I think the better thing to talk about is how, so we, we went to these lengths to to get, you know, sort of a nice three-course meal delivered to the house. And as we started eating, we're like, let's, uh, I think we noticed we were sliding into work talk. Like, I think just some, some topics were coming oh, up. yeah. And then Nicole was like, she started to say, let's, I would really appreciate it if we don't talk about work and like, maybe we can just put that on pause for the meal. And I was like, okay, absolutely. And we did not do that. We only (laughs) talked about work. I think both of us animatedly very excited to share various anecdotes it was or a good effort accounts. but somehow we ended up circling back <laughs> within about five minutes to something work related so. oh yeah we it was just a total work fest conversation i don't even remember the meal so should we like start 
a like a romance podcast, like a podcast talking about romantic stuff because we are four very romantic people. I will say, I did think as I was driving down the road on Valentine's Day. What did you think? I did think two thoughts, one of which I saw them selling orchids on sale and I was like, oh, I could buy one of these sale orchids and say, happy Valentine's Day. And the second thought? I was going to buy a, a batch of roses from the guy on the side of the road. <laughs> so which one I was it? I have two very, very thoughtful bouquets. I didn't either. That have <laughs> stayed. I didn't either. They both passed my thought and thought that would be a good thing. Right. When I say they're thoughtful bouquets, I mean they exist exclusively within your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did think about it and I did think like... Man, that guy selling these roses on the side of the road is hustling on Valentine's Day on a Sunday. I should buy one. Yeah. And then you realized you didn't have any cash or the light changed. Light turned green. Yeah. You'll just have to use your creativity there. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't give me too much credit. Um, You know, I went out to get a sandwich, which was right next to the plant shop. And then I was like, <laughs> how I would have to be the worst person in the world to not get flowers at this point. To it's come literally, back with a sandwich and To think about and not buying flowers. flowers and then not to buy flowers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, and then I walked in and then I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I can get a bouquet or maybe there's some pre-range thing or I can throw together a little few roses or whatever. And then I'm looking around and I'm looking at, you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, these are... I'm definitely supporting local if I <laughs> buy one of these. <laughs> Yikes! These are local prices, huh? <laughs> but, but, but then it was it was like the double guilt of like returning empty-handed, me knowing that I'm showing up empty-handed. <laughs> it was literally right next to where I needed to be. Um, yeah. And like, am I really going to do that to this amazing flower local shop? Local business. In a pandemic. Yeah. So yeah. I I really yeah. didn't have a choice. That's how we justify you every didn't. takeout purchase these days. We're supporting local businesses. Yep. Yep. We got takeout last night. From a local business. Yes, we did. We just miss hanging out with you guys. We miss hanging out with you guys, too. Yeah. Definitely wish that this year, or well, this year is now just blending in the last year, which will probably blend into next year. But I wish that the year collectively was enough that we could have uh, been able to travel and see you guys vice versa amen absolutely soon enough this has been such a fun conversation though i feel like there's so much to talk about related to creative partnerships that we could keep going all night there's so many other things i could think of that we could dive into but i feel like we would need to spread that out over multiple (laughs) episodes maybe this will become a series yeah (laughs) Our annual Valentine's Day special. I was going to say annual Valentine's Day. And then next year, I can say whether or not I bought the roses from the guy on the side of the road or not. Stay tuned to be continued. Or will you be the guy on the side of the road? (laughs) Who's going to buy my flowers? I'll be buying the roses. No, you'll get the discount orchid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I do like orchids, so that's good. There might be one in your future. This would be really fun. I mean, I don't know if you guys are down. It'd be great to do some conversations all together. Sure. I'm always reminded. I'd love some redemption. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, really. Somehow I'm going to get like a hundred, a hundred emails of somebody being like, you should have bought the flowers. <laughs> My account. I am an accountant and you I'm should an accountant. Be you should have bought flowers. the flowers. <laughs> My account Asshole. just dropped me. <laughs> what? Your band sucks. Yeah. My account just dropped me and they just told me my band sucks. <laughs> I got a bad Yelp review for pianos. <laughs> what? I didn't even think we had a How did Yelp. that even happen? <laughs> uh, Mike and Dave, love you guys. <laughs> love you guys, man. This yeah. is great. I mean, we don't have to love wait till Valentine's Day to do another thing. I'd be happy to hop on in a few months or whenever you guys wanted to. That's true. You could join us for some of our topical episodes. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Fourth of July, Labor Day. Let's just make this a holiday series. (laughs) President's Day, or you know, where we missed it. Oh yeah, that was yesterday. Damn it! (laughs) Guess we'll have to wait till next year. Next year, maybe maybe um, you know our lack of uh, work life balance. Maybe Labor Day would be a great time to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, we should make this that. a regular occurrence. This has been really fun. I love it. Sounds great. But happy, happy to. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. Thank you guys Anytime. so much for having us. This us, was yeah. a blast. Yes. Thank you. It was wonderful. I'm so glad that we got to record with you guys. We've honestly been talking about doing it for a while, and then we had an interview earlier this year with Sarah Husseini, who was talking about being in her creative partnership. Mm-hmm. And we were just inspired, like, yeah, let's just bring you guys on and and go for it. And then realized it was around Valentine's Day and thought, what better time to bring our our significant others on to, to talk about our creative partnerships? Well, always happy to. Hopefully there's some value in any anything that Either Dave or I said. I mean, I feel like that's a uh, yeah. I think like that's the uh, fun. I, it's the fun, most fun part to me is being able to like kind of hang out and just talk about the stuff we usually do. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, definitely have you guys back. Yeah, yeah. We d- yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I miss having these conversations in our shared kitchen. I mean, I don't miss that kitchen at all, but I miss. Being able to like run into you guys in the kitchen and have these talks, which was sort of the inspiration behind doing this episode. Um, Because I remember just so many times that I'd be like in the kitchen or I'd go into the kitchen. I'd see Dave or Nicole making a smoothie or I'd be in there making a smoothie. Lots of smoothies. Um, (laughs) And we would just start catching up about whatever we were working on. And then it would turn into like a much bigger conversation and... I always left feeling so inspired, and so I'm glad that we're able to actually kind of record one of the one of those conversations, um, which is sort of what we were trying to do. So hopefully, hopefully everyone enjoys it, and uh, hopefully there are no offended accountants. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Beyond the Studio podcast. You can find show notes, references, and a brief summary of the episode over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests, special announcements, and podcast giveaways. I don't go on podcasts too much, so if I'm like totally ruining this for Beyond Studio, like like tanks, well, Amanda like crazy does all food. the editing, so she can decide what what stays well, and what goes. Yeah, was there anything else you guys wanted to ask? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah, did we want to do a proper sign off? <laughs> <laughs>
before, I didn't know if you had any more other questions. Or, Nicole, sorry. I feel like yeah, this whole thing just went off the rails yeah. kind of quickly towards the <laughs> that's end. That's okay. I can edit out anything that's not funny, fun or interesting. Well, I'm always fun <laughs> or, and or too much so I don't fun. know how you're going to have a time editing this. It's just an episode of Mike. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. we'll trim it. Hi. But I've, I've enjoyed the last 15 minutes of conversation. <laughs> Watch, I just get cut yep. from the episode. Our interview with Mike. <laughs> Nicole and beep. Um, 